You are listening to the Post Growth Australia podcast, the one podcast where better is definitely better than bigger. Hello, all and sundry, and welcome to another episode of PGAP. I'm your host, Michael Bayliss. PGAP is made possible by the very kind folks at Sustainable Population Australia. So one of the downsides of becoming intimate with post-growth is that one becomes acutely aware of the human impact of planetary systems. One is continually at loggerheads with growth-based economies that are pulling in the opposite direction of what they should be doing and where they should be going and the people just don't seem to bloody stop. Now, look, I don't know about you, but this can often fill me with depression, anxiety, existential depression, and morose apathy. (laughs) And this is just on one of my rare, good, well-adjusted days. So how do we keep ourselves hopeful, in good spirits, and avoid turning into yet more bitter, cynical stereotypes? Why do all these life coaches and spiritual types all seem to look so happy smiling away with those big white teeth? Well, I managed to trap and ensnare one of those spiritual life coachy types. Uh, so I am absolutely honoured that my next guest is Amrit Sandhu from Inspired Evolution. Now, I remember the first few times I met Amrit. We kept bumping into each other at yoga workshops and meditation retreats. You couldn't really miss Samrat as his joyful laughter filled the room a good five minutes before he even entered it. I remember during the meditation retreats, we all took turns to share music with the rest of the group. I always gravitated towards introspective melancholia on the piano, uh, whereas Amrit by contrast, tore the house down with drums, guitars, and I think even at one point some freestyle rapping. Uh, I really, really wanted Amrit to be my best friend in the whole wide world. I mean, just just the gravitational pull of the guy. Uh, but I always assumed that my unique brand of sullen introversion would always be oranges to his lively extroverted apples. As the saying goes, assumptions make an ass out of you and me. And so a few months later, Amrit invited me to his Inspired Evolution Facebook group. My social media feed at that time was full of doom, gloom, human error and looming environmental apocalypse, well, much as it is now. Um, So it took me as a surprise when these Inspired Evolution posts kept flickering up. They were full of gasp, good news, positive stories, people doing lovely things to each other and and the environment. Such a panacea for my social media mental health and a daily injection of optimism my soul so desperately needed. I then started listening to the Inspired Evolution podcasts and YouTube videos. I had no idea there were so many entrepreneurs and game changers out there doing great things that often intersect with post-growth theory and making a livelihood out of it to boot. Amrit opened my eyes and ears and we became friends ever since. He's a brilliant podcast host too. So what happens when two podcast hosts get together? Lots of shenanigans for a start, <laughs> closely followed by plenty of DMs, deep and meaningfuls, as Amrit shares how he got out of the toxic construction industry to do now what he does best. Can Amrit turn me into an optimist over the course of an interview, or will I drag him down into my black abyss where he so rightfully belongs? The race is on, Amrit. 
and the most important philosophical question for all of us. When two podcast hosts talk, who becomes interviewer and who becomes interviewee? Oh, you'll just have to listen and find out for yourself, won't you? So after I talked to Amrit Sandhu, life coach, conversationalist, fellow podcast host of Inspired Evolution, and longtime smiler, laugher, and optimist to give us all some tips on how we can feel better about the state of things, I'm going to play a song, uh, a song that I wrote um, for my band Shock Octopus and my fellow bandmate David Blair sung and recorded the song about 13 years ago, so it's been gathering a bit of dust, but I thought it was uh, reflects well uh, the nature of the conversation between myself and Amrit. It's a song called Antarctica, and it's about being in a sad place at the moment, but still striving for a happier and better future. I hope you enjoy the chat, and I hope you enjoy the muzak. And I am very, very, very excited because I st started during COVID second wave. So I always made a joke of, ha ha, I'm virtually sitting here with such and such, but now I'm physically sitting here with a very Amrit Sandhu. <laughs> Amrit, can I spit and cough at you <laughs> for the you, whole duration? You've been travelling quite a bit. I don't know. You've been to some orange zones. <laughs> but yes, you may. Just uh, if that if that tickles your fancy and that makes you feel whole, absolutely. Mm. I will welcome your spit. <laughs> I got my COVID slash conspiracy theory tests. And I came back <laughs> negative. So, you know, we should be fine. It's an honour to be here for your first in-person podcast, brother. Thank you so yeah. much. Hey, yeah. thank you, thank you. Yeah, well, you gave me such a good interviewing. Um, <laughs> that sounded like a whacking with an interview. <laughs> gave me such a good interviewing. <laughs> when interview becomes king. Yeah. <laughs> we may edit this bit out, I'm not sure. <laughs> you are a life coach inspired evolution. Tell me, Amrit, mm. um, what makes your evolution particularly inspiring? Oh, this is fantastic because I... I'm here with you and <laughs> just the depth that I get to explore this question in. So ultimately, I think an inspired evolution, when you unpack it, inspired is to breathe. And I've got a past with, um, I had depression and mindfulness completely reconstituted my life is the way that I put it. Um, so breathing and just coming back to the breath was really important and that helped me evolve. Um, an evolution, I think, my faith is that of a Sikh, which is to, like, and Sikh literally translates to learn. So I'm always here to learn. Um, and the evolution of just consistently learning and inspiring and breathing and learning and breathing and learning and breathing and learning, um, I think are two, yeah, just fundamental tenets to the human experience. And so I feel like, yeah, learning is definitely something I ascribe to, and that's hence the evolution and inspiring is not only to breathe, but it also means for me, like in spirit, is to infuse spirit into the day-to-day. -day. And um, maybe it's a byproduct of growing up Indian, um, but I grew up with a touch wood. My father really inspires me, and he's a bit of a sage of a man. And so there was a lot of spiritual influence in my upbringing um, in terms of just the way that I look at the world. And so Inspired Evolution was, you know, bringing, sp like the ability to bring spirit 
into life and live a life that way. So what I feel is there's a point where the inspired evolution was physically birthed. Whereas when I was in a, there's no two ways to put it, it's a corporate nine to five gig basically, but I was working 6am to 6pm, six days a week, just because that's the nature of construction here in Melbourne. I think you'll resonate with this and your audience will as well. There was a moment consistently that I was going to work and I was thinking about this moment in the movie, The Matrix, and it's the second one. Um, And Neo goes back to the machine city. I'm not sure if you remember, but the cloud, like the sky is completely overcast and Morpheus tells him actually humans did that. Like they, they met the humans made the sky overcast so that, you know, the machines weren't be, wouldn't be solar powered. They wouldn't have their energy. They'd have to shut down. And the machines in their ingenuity decided that, okay, fair enough, but actually human beings are solar powered batteries and they actually harvest and grow humans in those little red pods And that's actually, you know, where they're plugged into the matrix and they're living this illusion programmed into their head while they're actually being harvested for the machine to continue to grow and do its thing. And very intense. (laughs) Mm. But nonetheless, I, I kind of felt like just a human cell, like literally a human battery. I would go in, plug myself into my job and just brrr and just perform, 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 perform. And different countries have different, you know, um, cultures around work as well. So, you know, people in Scandinavia, they've tried four days, four, four day work weeks. They've tried six hour work days, four hour work days. Here in Australia, I, in my industry that I was in, I felt a lot of presenteeism. Like my work was done at like three, but I had to be there till 6 p.m. You know, to the point where we were allowed to sort of grab beers out of the fridge and have a beer in the office. Um, but you had to be there. It was It was quite toxic. And I was just getting to a point where, it just really wasn't working for me. Um, and I was inspired to evolve out of that into the path of what I just saw, like there was all these people living life on their own terms. They were, and most of those people were either creatives or entrepreneurs. Um, and to me, actually, they're the same thing. So if you're an entrepreneur, you just got creative about the way you make your money. <laughs> so you're still just a creative. So it was more about creativity and creation and how to live a life aligned to that creativity um and that was where the inspired evolution was fundamentally born so there's a bit going on in there in terms of spirit and being inspired to evolve but then also making a living living in alignment to what is you know lights your spirit up and makes you want to show up every day yes i've just recently had an interview with um someone else has a quarter acreage in dalesford um Mm. absolutely amazing off-grid and he was in the construction industry as well. And um, when, when you look at the um, kind of research, there, there, there is really something about working somewhere that doesn't align with your values and yet demands so much of your time and so much of the research is like a lot of the impact from the planet uh, does come from the necessity of people to work long hours in mm. destructive practices mm. imagine working 60 hours a week in order to build an upturned concrete apartment block in mm. melbourne and you know that it looks shit and you know it's got a shelf life of 30 years that just must feel you know like a, a misdirection of energy or, or something or... it's it's yeah so it's even 
it's even worse than that if i'm honest with you <laughs> and it's interesting because <laughs> i'm forever the optimist so, <laughs> <laughs> so caveat asterisk um but yeah yes. if anyone could bring out the <laughs> 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 your work here is done Podcast over. No, <laughs> Goodbye. <laughs> um so what i was tuning into was like my job had just kind of finished i was looking at these three towers um that we just built and I knew for a fact that we'd sold 95% of these apartments. These apartment buildings are like 40 to 50 stories high. 95% of them are sold. And it's been a couple of months and I'm still on the job and I'm like looking at water usage rates. Um, and they're only at about 65% for the highest one and 55% for the other one, other two. And I was like, how come we're at 50, like 65 and 55% water consumption? when we've sold 95% of apartments, like why are there empty apartments is basically the logic there. So I spoke to the developer because you know, we were just friends at that point, And he said, actually, that they're, they're just, um, they're empty. I'm like, I get that they're empty, but like there should be a tenant on the way or someone renting, like it's an investment, right? And he goes, no, you'll find that for the life cycle of this building, it's going to be 30% empty. And then I made the fatal question, like fatal floor of asking the question. I was like, so why is like, why would you buy an apartment, not rent it out, not live in it? You know, it was just, there are people, uh, there's a lot of offshore investment in Australia, especially from Asian countries. You, that, you're allowed to say that, <laughs> <laughs> not me. <laughs> yeah, you know, but even like a different Asian country to the one that I'm from, this is the one that I'm trying to say, so I'm trying not to say it. But anyway, political correctness, alas. <laughs> Someone will buy a second guitar just because, you know, they like the sound of a second guitar. Someone will literally just park, uh, buy an apartment for capital growth, yeah, um, and then they'll sell it when they're ready. And I was looking at it and I was like, but not even like in a place where the mortgage for the bank, you know, the rent and all that stuff and like they don't need to and in that moment i was just like the meaning that i was driving from my job so my journey i had it's been some quite a few existential moments actually yeah. um i was the meditator and the structural engineer and i couldn't reconcile the two exactly what you're saying like you're a meditator you're exploring this inner space you're learning about your self-awareness the awareness with the world gratitude like how to you know be forgiving and be this person that's interconnected and interconnectedness of it all and then at the same time you're raping and pillaging quarries which is mother earth basically drilling in and just extracting resources and throwing them up in the city and that was a really difficult reconciliation it actually couldn't reconcile until i was in a at a meditation retreat and i kind of got this like this drop in and realization that it was actually all about space my journey it's like it's about inner space and outer space and i was like Oh, so that's why I'm like an engineer because I was always fascinated by architecture and the inner space, which was like, you know, and kind of the nexus of the two over time is where I've landed as a coach. It's like the mindset, right? Like where the outside interfaces with the inside. So it's interesting how that journey's evolved. But nonetheless, that outer space relationship when I was working as an engineer, one of the things that came up for me was I felt a lot of meaning building tower, like building towers at the time because I was building homes for people. Because I'd go back afterwards and I'd knock on the door and I'd meet these people and there was kids playing in these apartments, you know, and some of them were immigrant families, just how my family was when they moved here, you know, and it was just, it was beautiful. But realizing that actually 30% of these resources that we've spent so much energy just pulling out of the earth is just going up and like no one's looking at it. It's literally just dollars in a bank account. Meanwhile, mm. um, the built world mm. uh, 
human-made world now exceeds the entire biomass in mm. terms of weight. Yeah. Um, and we're running out of sand that you can construct with. Mm -hmm. So it's, it's interesting when you're saying you had that dichotomy between, you know, the meditator and mm -hmm. um, the builder. So in a way, I feel society has that dichotomy between running out of stuff, mm -hmm. reaching the point where we really do need to stop mm -hmm. doing in certain directions, but on a treadmill mm -hmm. of uh, creating a society of 30% occupancy is mm -hmm. ideal, while so many tens of thousands of people are struggling to find accommodation. There's homelessness, and... there's, yeah, there's so many discrepancies like that. Like, we throw out a third of our food, like, what? A third of the planet is going hungry and we throw out a third, like the, the, like it just, it's right there. Like it's literally like two Lego blocks just clicking into each other. We've just got to find a way. There's so many things like that to sort of touch on a point there. I think what I came to realize was for a long time, and you might appreciate this was I felt, and my friends would always cajole me into this almost as like, it's okay. Like in your heart being the meditator. And being in this environment where everybody's kind of different from you, we need people like you, Touchwood, in this space, carrying like a type of beacon in this space that, you know, there is another paradigm that's available that you can be conscious and build. Maybe it's the optimism of youth, but I felt like, yeah, you know, I was going to be the change that I wanted to see in that space. And it was okay. But I also clearly remember, and you mentioned this before, the first day that I got there, the person that was at the top of that rung, the hierarchy, you know, the wherever that pyramid led, led to, that person didn't embody a single value that I valued, right? And values were really important for me at the time because I'd just been through, like, depression and tried to figure out my life and reconstructed my whole life around my values and had to really get in touch with my self-awareness to build life. And then that should have been a clear indicator at the beginning. But I sort of went with this attitude of I will be the change that I wish to see in the world. And so I kept showing up, showing up, showing up. But eventually I realized that, you know, you hear this saying that we vote with our dollar in, in a, you know, in, in mm. a capitalistic world. And I kind of feel like we also vote with our presence, mm. like what you show up for. And this is where, you know, people go rioting and I'm not inciting a riot, <laughs> mm. but you know what I mean? Like you, sh you vote with your presence as well. And one of the drop-ins I had was, you know what, like I'm showing up here and receiving resources in my life from this particular role. Um, and it's keeping this industry, like I'm engaged with it. So it's continuing to be this way. I decided something needed to shift. And at the time it was, a, it was an existential crisis and yeah, pulled the pin. Yeah, it can be tricky to navigate how much you want to be in a space and change it and, and when to kind of um, step away or move on or, or when mm. it's time. and. Yeah, I um, do agree with you. I think it's hard for the head, mm. if I'm honest with you. Um, I think the head has a real tough time with it because it's always trying to measure and calculate. And one of the neuroses of modern society and post-growth podcasts, <laughs> like we measure and we control and we think we're in control, you know, mm. we're trying to maximize, extrapolate and like all this, like it's a very heady game that we're playing. But... Like I said to you, even the first day I went and I witnessed the hierarchy, I was just like, that person's out of alignment with my values. My gut told me, I was like, I don't think this is right. But my head was like, no, nah, this is the best opportunity you've been given and you just kind of keep plodding along and you keep trying to convince yourself into something. So I think you're right, but I think those challenges, 
like, you know, how to navigate all of that. It's all a dilemma for the head. Um, and at the risk of sounding completely like off the table, <laughs> um, I think your gut and your intuition um, are really powerful tools mm. that you don't even really, like people say, oh, you need to hone your intuition. You just need to say yes to it when it says yes and you need to say no to it when it says no. Um, you just need to, you know, be in congruence to it. It's not even that much of a honing. It's always speaking to you. But the voice of your intuition is quite quiet as opposed to the voice of your head, which is like, Netflix, 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 Netflix. And you're just like, uh-huh, and I want to go for a walk, you know. Mm. So it's it's like a, it's a quieter, it's a quieter voice. But you've got to learn to dial into it. Once you do, you can feel it, you know, so... I remember last time we talked when I was interviewed for Inspired Evolution podcasts mm. and we had a bit of a um, discussion of eternal vigilance being the price of peace and mm. um, coming from different perspectives. I actually did a bit of reflecting on that. Vigilance sounds a little bit burrow proud and doing. <laughs> um, I, I, wonder, it does, it? I wonder instead, like, it's great to be and be present um i often find as soon as another human comes into the picture and you start communicating via language mm. the nature of language it kind of chunks experiences mm. within the li limitations and modalities of communication mm -hmm. and therefore you know you're kind of required to use mind in a certain way and therefore a degree of critical thinking for me it needs to come in just to navigate the conversation um even to check in am i grasping onto a concept a mm. am i passing on my trauma mm -hmm. to someone else am i projecting mm. how do i reconcile the innocence of being with the experiences that i've collected how do i work with the mind as a tool we have a history of gurus and there's even like a vegan um I, I suppose guru that everyone you know thought was the best bees knees <laughs> um and now you know several years later he's flying first class to panama to do something with green cryptocurrency um and then all the former followers are like demonizing him and it just happens so commonly that i just wonder what's your perspective as someone who does do life coaching and someone who um you know does need to use the tools of instagram and social media how you keep yourself in line how you keep checking yeah, cool. so you don't you know you don't fly off to panama tomorrow with, <laughs> with money that i've lent you or something <laughs> <laughs> sounds right no okay so, <laughs> um so yeah there's quite a bit that you've asked in there but to sort of decode all of that back, um, what I'm hearing is if I point to it, it's it's that we have problems that are generated by the mind. Yeah. Um, again and again. And the mind thinks, oh, if I just if I just get a little bit more, if I just have a little bit more income, or if I just have a little bit more um, you know, security for my family, or if I just have a, a, one extra bedroom in my house, or if I just a little bit more of this and a little bit more of that, and this is the mind searching, right? Now in there to think that the same mind that is creating the problems is going to be the same mind that generates the solution. When I put it that point blankly, you may kind of see the two trains that are running into each other at that point, right? So I feel like that's where 
it's called inspired evolution because it's like it's spirit yeah so maybe for some people tuning in um it may sound like a complete cop-out there's a spiritual solution to every physical problem potentially but people have been doing that for eons but again left unchecked when your mind is in control basically you're being played by the flute not you playing the flute it's not playing the music that is most the the one that you were meant to play um there is some serious stuff that comes through there yeah that has serious implications on your physiology on your emotional well-being um and again so from that space to think that once you're that compromised as well that you're going to come up with solutions with the mind to figure out what it is that is the best approach forward in the world for me seems somewhat foolish based on the experience that i've had now the question still remains how do you navigate a way forward then <laughs> right because it's like all you've got are these tools but that's where i believe that surrendering the mind just come back to the present moment yes there are heaps of challenges in the world but just come back to your reality for a moment like and it boils down to again my relationship with my earth the food you know do i have access to like trees yes i can breathe good my wind you know am i breathing am i meditating am i got you know access to good clean air do i have access to good clean water so earth wind water fire am i getting time with the sun you know and it's like yep i've got sun time and fire also for me is passions and cultivating that so if i've got access to these things i'm generally pretty good right from there it's like okay cool now from this place i have a responsibility if my cup is really full and overfloweth from that place there are things that potentially need some addressing so where do we go from there great question and this is what the inspired evolution is all about is finding your purpose right and then helping you amplify your purpose right and this is where some of that social media stuff that you're referring to comes in so from there on the journey of like my purpose for me personally touchwood i've just found it's this now everybody's different just to make it really succinct in this particular instance i would probably just share there are many tools to find your purpose but one of the key places that you can go looking is where do you drop into flow where do you find flow so right now have i been talking for 30 seconds or five minutes i don't know but i'm in a flow right and this happens all the time touch wood to me touch wood in conversation so hence why i podcast hence why i coach hence why i public speak because as long as i'm in conversation i'm in flow so I feel like you don't just drop into flow willy-nilly. You drop into flow because we are the universe looking in on ourselves. And you are performing the function that the universe puts you here to look in on itself with through via. Does that kind of make sense? Um, and that's why you're getting that flow state because that's you're, you're swinging back into the lane of who you're meant to be. Now, the challenge is most of us are trying to be the big house, nice car perspective and that's not the universe already created that that's over here right but we're all running and this has become i would call it motivating rather than inspiring because motivation is external inspiration is internal mm. it's externally motivating so that's more of a motivated evolution rather than inspired evolution and it's motivating people and they're kind of leaving this destruction in their wake right to move up to that um rather than actually you know what what's my inspired self saying like internally like i just want to surf all day why do you see more and more people doing this because they realize this doesn't work okay cool go van life and surf be you i want to go sit in the mountains in the himalayas do that there will be people that really want to create epic businesses and conscious businesses and people are doing it right now right so finding what inspires you 
take some time to sort of get connected back to your present moment. That doesn't have to be super woo-woo. It's just like come back to am I eating good food? Am I having, you know, drinking good water? Am I breathing well? Am I my relationships, my interactions going well? From there, you're cultivating spirit back in your life. So spending more time with our community here in Melbourne, that was a bedrock for the Inspired Evolution to be birthed because so many people were doing so many amazing things. And I was like, I just want to share all the cool shit my friends and family are up to. And okay, I'll build a podcast. And I just started doing that. And then it was just inspired from, again, allowing spirit to come in, connecting to the community, connecting to people, connecting to these ways. And a whole new way of thinking was birthed within me. And I've just kind of then followed that. Not saying that I've figured it out. I'm still figuring it out with everybody that's listening in on the journey. And I, and I guess for a lot of the environmentalists, rational environmentalists who may, you know, initially be affronted by the term of spirit, I mean, spirit doesn't have to be a monotheistic God, does it? As, as you mentioned before, like um, simply or at the natural world. Part of my background is my mother was Hindu and there's all these different Hindu, they call them different Hindu gods. Um, but even that's, you know, somewhat of a misconception, like it is one universal energy, but all the different gods kind of represent different access points to that energy, you know, um, the different avatars, if you will. So, you know, you can call it the creative force, the force that brings life into animation, the animated force, the life force, whatever you want to call it, you know, um, there's something that's animating you and animating me, you know, there's something about that, the miracle that is life, the, the mystery of it. You know, now quantum physics, like people are trying to unpack that. One of the people I had on my podcast was Nassim Haramein. And he talks about how, I'm butchering the stats, but I think there's about 20% of you that is here. Like there's 80% of you that's somewhere else. For those that are tuning in that are super grounded and into tech, it's like, well, is that is this the software and that's the hardware? And, and is this a simulation? I don't know, mm. right? Or is this the physical and that's the spirit? I don't know, mm. right? But there is this relationship between there being more to you than just kind of you know what you're what you what you touch and what you feel. Um, I suppose if you don't like where you are at the moment, well then you'd be reconciled <laughs> with that. Eighty <laughs> percent of you is elsewhere. Swing, swing back in. Puts <laughs> it in a bit of perspective. It yeah. really does, though. It really does, and I think people have been using religion for mental health. For so long, bro, you know, like for so long, like it's been like you talk about positive psychology and the questions around that before we had therapy and stuff like this, we had religion and it was teaching people like positive ways of thinking. Yes. Now we've gone to war over these things. Like my way of positive thinking is better than your way of positive thinking. It's like. That makes me feel really negative. Oh, positivity is different. Do two, do two rights positive. make a wrong. Do two wrongs make a right. It's like, uh. Yeah. It was brought up on a interview of just recently had that one of the reasons why there's so much depression and anxiety is because in modern Western society, we don't grieve anymore or don't grieve demonstratively. Like mm. it's something to um, shy away from or something to be shamed and life coaching and self-help and positive thinking modalities. Where does grief fit into it like from your perspective is mm. that something to avoid or is that something to find a way to yeah. have a different outlet for us so or? the inspired evolution and you'll find this online as well there's a there's a community on facebook inspired evolution community and we have just learned from the communities that we're in here in melbourne brother so it's like you know yes life coach amrit you know and life coach again is just a label 
Um, I'm not a life coach, really. I'm just a conversationalist, (laughs) really, right? But conversation can heal, conversation can inspire, conversation has so much in it. But when you sort of advertise like, hey, I'm a conversationalist, I'll speak to you for three months and people don't kind of, well, I don't get it. It's like, I'm a life coach, I'll speak to you for three months and people are like, oh, I get it, you know? So Mm. I just kind of meet them where they're at sort of thing, right? Um, But really to respond to you, it's incredibly important to go through your stuff um, one of my dearest friends, he says, the only way out is through mm. the only way out is through. And we spend so much time avoiding and, you know, oftentimes these avoidance tactics, they manifest themselves in really interesting ways. Like you have blocks towards achieving your highest potential because you're not looking at certain things, <laughs> you know, and if you just were to look at it, process it, you may stop striving for certain things and you may actually just unlock the permission to go look for that thing. But if I'm honest with you, I just sort of see myself as a member of a community, really. So, you know, the Inspired Evolution is a subset community of all these other communities around Melbourne, you know, and it's just like a, it's like a place for people to collect. In there, if stuff is coming up for you and you don't know how to process it, I may not necessarily know how to process it, but we're in a community together. And this is what it used to take a village to raise a kid. It takes a village to raise your inner child, right? So why not like, what happened to that? Like, and this is what you're alluding to, like grief, like someone's grieving. They've got no one to turn to because nobody, like your friends are there when you want to go out drinking and have a great time. But when you're going through shit, you're at home sitting, sitting there watching Netflix and not like avoiding your shit. But here you've got an opportunity for, you know, touch wood, I'll put up my hand and go, something's coming up for you. Let's work through it. What is it? You know? And that is kind of the service. Yeah, I think, and that's, again, the inspired evolution is just to come back into a way that is like community oriented, you know, in a community, everybody's allowed to grieve. We hold space for each other to grieve. Everybody's allowed to experience joy. We celebrate together, you know, and we have joy. And it's just, everything is so much more gracefully navigated, right? Um, when, as opposed to when we're left out in these, in these silos. And one of the prayers I always say is that, touch wood, you know, I wish, I really hope that, every, you know, young man gets to grow up, young man and young woman, <laughs> my instance, young man gets to grow up in a community um, the way that, you know, Melbourne has afforded me to. You know, you and I lost a really dear friend in Bava. Mm. Like, I reflect on the, on. it's hard to say the gift of that, but like at what other point does a, does a 28-year-old man lose like a 50-year-old friend? Mm. You know what I mean? that matters so much to him if it wasn't for community. Like community is what brought us together, right? The first time I would have potentially interfaced with a loss of that degree if I had I not had community would have been when I lost my own mother or my own father. The community gives us this space, like she taught me how to grieve. Like it took me 12 months to process her death, right? But that community has held space for me to process grief. I can talk to you about it. We're doing it right now. Mm. You know, we're talking to someone else about it. Us talking about grief is holding space for those that are listening in Mm. to potentially process their grief. So as a community, the benefits and the blessings of community is like, oh. And you just brought up uh, something that I think keeps coming up on um, the podcast, and that's the importance of community. Yeah which looks like different things for different people. Yeah. And I would want to say, I'm, I'm sure I've said this a couple of times, doesn't necessarily mean an intentional community. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, there are different ways of manifesting community. And, totally. and the main thing is whatever provides a soul with connection. If we really want to hit some thorns on the cactus, 
therein potentially I feel lies kind of the double-edged sword that is online social media, brother, mm. you know, because like I'm connected to my cousins in India more than I've ever, like I would have ever been back mm. in the day, like because I can see what's going on in their life, like someone's just given birth, someone's, you know, just lost someone and I can see it and I'm connected to them. So my community, my family, like I'm connected to them. It's a blessing. So it's it's a tool for community. And then I know in the very next breath, it's like, yeah, but as you're building your community, then there's advertising and there's this and all your data and your information and blah, 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 blah. And I get it. I get it, you know. Um, but again, you know, again and again, the eternal optimist, all these tools that we connect to, we connect to because they feel right to us, right? Our spirit cannot be negated, right? It's what's coming through and what feels right. And so in that, the connection it's like my highest value, actually. But connection, community, like it's important to us. And because we don't have methodologies of building community, like you and I are blessed that we've got circles here where we can connect, right, that bring us together here in Melbourne. But necessarily people don't have that, mm. right? So the only place they find that is like, oh, a bunch of found, found, a, found a bunch of like-minded, um, you know, hot rod guys on the internet or a bunch of, I found a bunch of uh, permaculture people online and now I'm doing my own permaculture. People are finding communities mm. online and it is facilitating that. Later, if it gets corrupted, that's, again, the humanness of, you know, some of the stuff that comes through. Just on social media, I want to uh, tell you, inspired evolution. I'm not going to say that it saved my life, but it really did help <laughs> um, in so much as a few years ago, using social media a lot more and, and for research. And, you know, so my Facebook wall was full of gloomy articles about, you know, another species that we've lost or, you know, another Melbourne town's got burnt down whilst another property developer runs the bank and all sorts of things. And so it, it was shaped by a very dour version of the world. But then I'd see an inspired evolution post mm -hmm. and it was all about entrepreneurs doing something really inspiring and really environmental mm -hmm. and... Um, stuff that I would not have seen from, you know, what my mind conjures up from, mm -hmm. you know, life coaching or meditation. Mm -hmm. Like I was seeing posts about people making leather jackets using kombucha mothers yeah. and stuff like that. <laughs> it seemed to manifest at a time when I needed mm -hmm. it. And I mean, I'd still argue that perhaps a scale of people doing the right thing um, it needs a lot of help to that to override mm. um, the scale in which we're over-exceeding the planetary capacity. So there's still a little bit of a half a dozen of the other for me when I see these good news yeah. stories. Is the positive thinking like an opiate for the mind? And to what degree, if you continue positively think, then you're kind of unprepared. Yeah. Um, in the event, you know, that there's a societal mm. and the ecological collapse. Like, I don't want to be yeah. surprised if um, yeah, yeah, raiders yeah. are, no, you, you know. Really <laughs> um, so the, the part of you that's speaking to me now is, um, is a very valid part of you, yeah? That part of you is also hyper-aware of survival. So a good way to look at it for every one positive thought we have, we have four negative thoughts. Yeah, the mind's wired that way, right? Mm. Why? Because it's based on survival. Survival got us here, right? Mm. Which is why you, know, you had Darpan on your podcast. It's like this co shifting consciousness is what people are talking about. Now, as soon as you say the word consciousness, people check the fuck out, right? 
it's it's changing the wiring of your mind, right? So if we're consistently looking at a four-to-one bias of negative things, if I'm always looking at the glass being half empty, the glass is going to be half empty. I'm thinking about emptying the glass, emptying the glass, emptying the glass. I'm going to drink it and let it be empty and be completely fucking empty. Glass is half full. And I'm thinking, oh, where do I get another half to fill up the glass? I've got a full glass. You know, when you're, when you're sharing with me about all the things that are challenges, I totally agree with you that these challenges exist. But knowing that, knowing that there's kind of like a warrior spirit that sort of goes, you know what, I need to fight for myself, sometimes against myself, but you're kind of fight, fighting against the biology of your own mind in a certain way because it's wired for negativity. It's wired for survival. And negativity is not bad. It's just survival, right? But give yourself a fighting chance and go, all right, cool. What do I know that helps my psychology along? Gratitude. Sounds super simple, but we were wired for gratitude. Our biology thrives on it because I was starving and you came and gave me a banana and an apple. And all of a sudden it's like, thank you so much for that. Now, reciprocity will encourage me to at some point give you a banana and apple or something of the sort, or berries or mangoes. Oh, I'll give you a mango. From that point, like our biology is wired for, for that interaction. And our, our brain goes zing, zing, cooperate, cooperate. That's what brought humans into the world the, the way that we are now. Like our ability to cooperate, gratitude is impregnated in that. So knowing that if I can just tap into gratitude, it's a natural current that my body wants to flow into. This is potentially that opiate you're talking about. But if I can change my psychology to look at like things, if I can get two to three as a potential, two positive thoughts for every three negative thoughts, right? I'm still going to be looking after my survival with those three negative thoughts. Mm. Like it's still going to be there, right? It's going to be very difficult for you to just eliminate all your survival-based thoughts, right? But you give yourself more positive thoughts. And if you are like most of the people tuning in and like I was, spending more and more time in your head, what sort of head do you want? A head full of thorns <laughs> or a head that is kind of like a nice couch that you come home to and sit on and relax and put your feet up and tuck into a good book in? Do you know what I mean? And that is kind of what you're cultivating in your mindset. Yeah, and is, is this something that could be done um, regardless of your status in life? Like um, what happens if you're, if you're in the middle of South Sudan and um, there's a crop failure? Um, at that moment, it would be hard to difficult, I would imagine, um, to go in and feel safe and okay and, yep. and content. Um, and if that is a significant portion of your life, is this still applicable? Or is there like, is, is there a degree of privilege that allows um, feelings of contentedness or not? Or? No, certainly not. So it's, it's universally applicable. Just because I'm trying to cultivate a positive mindset doesn't mean that I don't get angry. Doesn't mean that I don't get frustrated. Doesn't mean that shit doesn't hit the fan. It totally does, right? And when it does, what do I bounce back to? The shit hit the fan mode? Do I stay in like a place where it's like, oh fuck, like I lost my crop. Life is fucked, everything's fucked, fuck everything off, see you later. And how long can I sustain that mindset? If you really want to go, like, what impact are those thoughts having on your physiology? The fact that you don't want to be alive, and we know so much about the placebo. If you're communicating to yourself that life is fucked, I don't want to be here, do you think you're going to experience longevity and health and vitality? Just a question to unpack. Now, yes, shit is going to hit the fan. Yes, you don't have your crop. Fuck. But at some point, you're going to turn around and be like, still got a wife, still got kids, still got a beautiful home. 
I think I'm going to have to go to the city to put my mouth in their my mouth, like food in their mouths, because they matter to me. Okay. At what point does gratitude for your hands, for the ability to get to the city, the ability to do manual labor outside of your place, at some point, like some gratitude is available you to kick in, like you've got a family that keeps you going. You know, like there is, again, you, the choice is yours. The choice is yours, you know, and you can be grateful for your fighting spirit, you know. So it's not about just masking everything with positive, not at all, right? Absolutely, got, the only way out is through. So you've got to go through your stuff. But what is your baseline? What are you coming back to? You know, and for a lot of us with the four to one ratio that I was speaking to about positivity, I feel like sometimes it's like 10 to one because it's like we're cultivating negativity and negative thoughts in our life that we're just expecting the worst to happen. And then the worst happens and it's like, well, I was conditioned for it, so fuck, it didn't matter. And it's like, yeah, but you also spent five to 10 years calling in bad shit to happen for you. Like your thoughts are a frequency and you're actually calling that in. You're expecting it. By art of expectation, you didn't look at the good opportunities. You were just looking at the shit opportunity waiting to happen, and it happened. And you're like, see, I told you so. And I was like, what happens if you flip that? Right? I'm not saying don't expect your crop to fail, right? But then at the same time, potentially say, okay, look, I'm like on the side going to be inspired to evolve and create something that speaks to me, you know? And it could be there's people like there's so much ingenuity in, in some of these places where they're coming up with like, Literally, like, solar-powered, like, energy-generating devices. Like, there's, there's this so, like, complete cities off the grid, and they're, like, electric sharing with each other, and they buy units from each other, right? So there's so much, like, space for interesting stuff to happen when you're not playing the victim, yeah? Um, will life throw you curveballs? Absolutely. And I'm not even saying you need to snap back from... The, the curveball sooner rather than later. No, have your process. Absolutely have your process. Um, take your time. Grieve, heal, let go, surrender, be angry. At some point, come back. Yeah, what are you coming back to? Right? Now, for some people, they don't know what that even means because they spent so much time in the head. Once the head's moved, they're in that new space where the head's moved to. There's no coming back. This is where meditation was incredibly powerful. This is where I'm talking about bringing in some spirit, bringing in some emotion, bringing in some whatever your relationship is with something bigger than you. Fantastic. Thank you for sharing that, Amrith. And uh, <laughs> I know I've asked a few questions on packing the um, happiness, but I think it's important, like particularly for a lot of people listening to podcasts such as this in which the world is a daunting place. Mm. Um and, you know, a lot of activists are in a stage where burnout and mm. um, meaning has become um, shattered for many yep. in, in this world. And I think through that, a lot of people may have come to the stage where, look, I'm, I'm so burnt out. There's so much negative news coming in. Let's put, let's put this on scale. I mean, most of the world is uh, <laughs> made by, you know, a bunch of people who are not thinking positively. But there's an idea of a future utopia, like only if we grow the GDP a little bit more, um, only if we expand, then we'll be happy. Yeah. Um, some countries in the world um, have seen the bullshit for what that is and mm -hmm. been trying in various ways to look at per capita happiness mm. index I, uh, Bhutan, um, perhaps not be the most perfect example mm. of that. Also, New Zealand, 
Ecuador for a few years, mm. <laughs> Uganda, a lot of the Scandinavian countries. So the work that you do and, you know, other people who may be in the modality of, you know, life coaching, encouraging people to positively reframe and be in the moment and go outside the mind. How might this look like on scale if entire societies, nations, mm. um, adopted this what could look different what day-to-day yeah. -day life stuff what national decisions might be different yeah so i actually feel like the positive reframe isn't a positive reframe i think conditioning of the world we live in actually gears us for survival and that's where the i don't want to call it the negative frames but the the survival frames drop in I inherently believe, and you can believe whatever you want to believe, right? Beliefs are malleable. So you can choose a belief, try one on for size. What I believe is that we are inherently good. I think inherently joyous. I think everybody's spirit has joy for it, right? If we didn't have the conditions of the culture scape, the landscape that is the culture that we navigate through, through these economic cultures, these, um, you know, social cultures, all this stuff, like our spirit is joyous our spirit is good right learning to infuse more and more of that into the day-to-day -day, i think i believe when i'm doing what i'm doing like the things that i'm talking about on the podcast and i can only go like i dare not throw a stone at a glass house so i can really only share it to you from my experience all i'm talking about is stuff that inspires me and inspired evolution like you said, people are making cool, like, you know, spiritual entrepreneurs only is pretty much like the thing that I kind of like clench line with at the Inspired Evolution at the moment. Um, but there's positive things happening, right? So in there focusing on that, but it's not even like you need to focus on that. I feel like that's what naturally emerges from each individual and each being, right? Like a lot of your friends, they're activists, right? That wasn't like a conscious decision, like, shit's fucked, here I go. It's like it naturally emerged from them that like something's wrong, right? And they were out to carve a better way, right? Then potentially they got caught in the head when they're trying to figure out all the solutions. And again, we're back in that place where the problem stemmed from to where the solution's coming from. Now, I'm not asking you to run away from your head, definitely not, but get back to the spirit. And I feel like if everybody was living on purpose, and that purpose of the spirit, the universe looking in on itself, if we were all aligned to that lens that we were looking in on itself with, without the kind of the grunginess or the grubbiness of, of culture, the way that it comes through, yeah, I think we have the potential for people contributing, literally contributing. And to be honest, it may even be, and I don't know what this looks like, but it may even be that you don't need money. Like I would sit down mm. and have a conversation with you for whatever. Mm. I like I literally do this. Like even before I became a conversationalist, now life coach, whatever you want to brand it as, I was I was always the conversationalist. I was always talking to my friends. My friends had something going on that would come to me, talk to me. I was that guy in my community, right? Now over time, I wanted to build a life around it, right? Which is touch wood what I love doing. So then it's like okay, cool. Now you know, like do that. And so some people love to clean. I've got a friend, she just loves organizing, right? So please, by all means, come over, organize and clean for me, please. Like I need some help, you know? Some people love to build stuff, like literally just love building really cool stuff. And it's like, awesome, you know, can you make me a table? You know, and I'll 
maybe while you're making it, I can hang around and we can chat and we can exchange, right? So I do feel like if we're doing the things that we love, um, we will find a whole new way, right? Now, it does feel very etheric, right? Because of how entrenched we are in this mode, mindset. And this is one of the challenges we continuously interface, which is it's so fucking overwhelming, the entrenchment of the current paradigm. Totally. Mm. Of course it is, right? It's gotten 7.6 billion people sustained. Mm. It's a lot of fucking people. Yeah. But you've got to start somewhere. Do you not? Like, or do we just kind of go, it's all fucked, throw your hands up and keep fucking navigating it the way you want to, the, the way it already is? No. Like, I dare not, you know? I definitely dare not. Like, you're, you're here for one life. What is the legacy? What is the, you know, what is it that you leave behind, right? Even when you mentioned burnout before, I feel like knowing what I know about burnout, like, I actually, and this is going to be a big call for some people, but your head burns out and your head and your neurology burns out the rest of your body. Again, focusing on the 10 to 1 negative means <laughs> of the 4 to 1 negative, right? It burns it out. It literally burns you out because you're calling, and that's what I meant before, when you're calling bad shit in. But if you focus on the positive, right, and it doesn't have to be superficially focusing on the positive. You just focus on your spirit and what feels right. Like right now, this feels right, right? Like right now, connection is driving us. The podcast has gone over time, according to you, according to me, whatever, right? Mm. But it time, what a fucking construct. That's for the mind. Mm. <laughs> And isn't it interesting, like, um, you know, when I've been across the world, it's African time and South American time. (laughs) Indian time is always late by four hours. (laughs) And then I was thinking, well, that's all the same thing apart from, you know, the Anglosphere and maybe the Eurosphere. (laughs) You you, you know, if anything, it should be Anglo time and (laughs) Euro time for those who say anal return to the past. German time. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. So I feel like, you know, if... We all, like, and it takes, it's a massive leap of faith. Like, when I'm saying this to you, I can feel how much faith it takes to say this, that there is inherent goodness in everybody, right? That everybody's spirit is here to do something positive. And if we just surrendered to that, we would all be constructive and we wouldn't all be greedy. We wouldn't all be envious. Like, you know, we would just swim in our lanes. But what is the alternative that I have, Michael, is the question that I've got for you, Right? Like, it's either that amount of faith mm. in the optimism, right, or complete disappointment. Now, I get to choose my beliefs and the way I want to look at life. So I choose to have the faith, to have the positive outlook, because it keeps me uplifted and working towards an inspired evolution gives me an access point at which to disrupt. They still get to disrupt the system, but you're also choosing positivity. Well, it's not even me disrupting the system. It's just life emerging through me that just goes, there's a better system. And I'm not trying to figure it out with my head. Like I said, it's been so hard for me to articulate the answer to this question. I'm just surrendering to what it looks like. For me, I'm playing my lane, which is conversation. So I'm just doing that. What's your lane? And if you can't figure it out, come hang out and let's figure it out on the Inspired Evolution together. And that's kind of the journey that I support people with on the Inspired Evolution one-to-one coaching. Yeah. 
Well, my purpose is a singular pursuit of pure evil. <laughs> is, that, is that okay, or do we need to talk? <laughs> I think, see, see, that was his mind coming up with a joke right there. <laughs> <laughs> that, would, that joke would never have come from the heart. No, see? Oh. <laughs> tart, tart, tart. <laughs> Case in point. Oh, Mark, you've got so much to learn. Just a sagely. I think you already yeah. have learned it all. And then you're just kind of like playing the devil's advocate. <laughs> <laughs> well, thank you, Amrit. Um, I feel inspired from that conversation. And indeed, I feel slightly evolved from it. Um, quickly, um, before we go, what has been, what's been a moment um, in Inspired Evolution that you'd just love to share? I mean, I looked at the internet side and saw, um, you know, performed in front of almost 10,000 people or something. Mm. And um, I'm very curious about that mm. but um uh, i almost feel a bit bad about that because i always say you know <laughs> there shouldn't be lots of people in the world and here i'm getting excited <laughs> about you in front of <laughs> lots of people but mm. you know um um don't shoot the messenger oh. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and and also if people have felt inspired by Inspired Evolution, um, where can they go? What can they do? Big question. Um, there's been so many moments, brother, where um, I've been on the journey and just, yeah, pinched myself, you know, again and again. And to be honest with you, when you're living a life in alignment with your purpose, this whole thing started three years ago. And my head, and this is what I mean, my head and spirit, like my head can't, like for the life of it, cannot compute it. Like three years ago you were doing what and three years later you're doing what and like what you've achieved. Like this was what I've achieved within two years, what I, <laughs> I had, shut up. Um, but you know what I mean? Like what the head has achieved, like what this inspired evolution has helped me experience, is the right way to put it, in two, two and a half years was already what I set my 10-year plan to be. Right, mm -hmm. and that was just like, what the fuck? When you're living in congruence to your spirit, obstacles move out of the way. Like things just flow. This is that flow we were talking about. When you're doing what you're meant to be doing, and you get out of your way, and you stop chasing things that are not meant for you, so much opens up, man. I can't tell you the number of times I've pinched myself recently. One of the most life-changing conversations I had on my podcast was uh, last year, end of last year, which only a few months ago was Marianne Williamson like she wrote the dissertation or like a, an analysis on the course in miracles which you know and she's been a mentor and an inspiration from afar for a long time but sitting there in a conversation with her how much of my ideology kind of reframed simple things she said you know were like one of my spiritual practices for looking after tomorrow is looking after today as best as to the best of my ability so just being present will look after tomorrow these little moments, man, they're everywhere. Like speaking on stages inspires me absolutely. You know, that is a big part of it. It's not so much about me being on the stage as much as the energy, the inspired evolution and the and the um the kind of messaging behind it reaching reaching people. Uh, which the message is quite simple. Your health and your purpose are the same thing. To be the healthiest version of you, you've gotta be on purpose. And if you're off purpose, you're not gonna be healthy. So if you're not healthy as well, then question your purpose come back to like if you're burning out what is your purpose like all these you know health and purpose intrinsically actually one and the same so that's the message now if i'm honest with you like personally 
I'm really grateful for the space you hold, brother. It's um, there are days where I don't feel inspired to evolve. You know, there are days where I wake up and I'm like, oh, like today is, you know, someone stole my car, right? And it's just like, yeah, I don't feel inspired to evolve today, <laughs> you know? And there are those days. Those are the days where it's such a blessing having the inspired evolution, being on the inspired evolution, being inspired to evolve because I don't know how else to put this and this is, you know, I'm just going to speak my truth here. It's almost like there's an altar set up and it's holding space for me to be inspired to evolve. You know, like I've put a certain amount of energy showing up every week podcasting for the last three years and at a certain point it turned around and goes, okay, you're having a tough time but come on, man, like be inspired to evolve. And the thing that I was growing grew me a little bit, you know, it was this really weird and having something to pray for, to pray to, to sort of connect with on that kind of, yeah, like I'm not sure if those that are going to work and have a clerical job kind of have that level of romance or that level of um, spiritual connection, spiritual <laughs> entrepreneurship, but spiritual connection, touch wood, to what they're up to in the world. Um, but for me with the Inspired Evolution, it's like, you know what, you're not feeling inspired to evolve today, but it's all right. You're inspired evolution. You know, you're part you're on, on the journey. Come on, man, you can do this. And it holds space for me to step into a higher, even more composed, even more graceful, even more capable, even more organized, even more forgiving version of myself. Right. And then that's just like, whoa, where your business offering, <laughs> business offering, um, is your personal development vehicle. Those moments those moments aren't in front of 10,000 people. Those moments aren't in front of yourself or on a podcast in front of a bunch of people. But those moments are deeply intimate, deeply personal. But those moments um, give me a lot of fortitude and they give me a lot. Yeah. And in terms of connecting to the Inspired Evolution, oh, yeah, YouTube. <laughs> um, I've become a massive, massive fan of YouTube. We've been growing like online for quite a while, but I recently started realizing the power of YouTube. It's, it's the modern classroom. You know, like you watch so a video, true. there's yeah. comment sections below um, and people can interact, ask questions, share questions amongst each other. And some of the, com like I'm having my life change just by reading the comment section of some of the videos on the Inspired Evolution, just watching three people interact and just like how supportive they are of each other and the questions that are coming through. And I'm learning to become a better interviewer just by listening to people's questions in the comment section because I'm like, shit, that was a really good question I didn't ask, you know? And I was like, oh, thanks, man. Like, I'm going to ask that next time. So I love engaging on YouTube. And if you can, subscribe, hit the bell notification, stay engaged. We send a post, every, we, we upload a podcast every week. Um, and, yeah, comment, you know, like I love to hear from those that are tuning in and it's just such a blessing to build community and be connected to it. Well, thank you so much, Everett. <laughs> now, two podcast hosts, we're never going to talk within. <laughs> An hour, so I don't know why we tried. <laughs> it was worth the effort. The intention was good. The, the, the intention was good. Good, good intentions, yeah, yeah. But look, thank you so much. I learned so much from this. Oh, and uh, all, all the best for the, wow, <laughs> for the next three years. <laughs> You're <wood>. superhero. <laughs> so keep me humble, bro. Like, we're all inspired people. Thank you so much for the space you hold, brother. Like I, um, yeah, you know, even... Just the there's a there's a determination it takes to be holding a beacon for a world that's not here yet, you know. Um, and yeah, 
I just see the way you're kind of navigating post-growth is it's it's a massive prayer, bro. It's a massive prayer. It takes a huge um, takes a huge amount of internal fortitude to be to be weaving on such a path. Um, and yeah, I see you. I respect you. I love you. Love your work, and it's just a real blessing to be your brother. And yeah, I'm glad that we both get to podcast yeah. and share. Um, yeah, the hope for a brighter tomorrow together.
listening to Post Growth Australia podcast, PGAP for short. Uh, I'm your host, Michael Bayless. I've just finished speaking with Amrit Sandhu from Inspired Evolution podcast. In the written description of this show, I've put a few links of um, some of my other favourite interviews from Amrit and the Inspired Evolution website, YouTube channel, podcast channel in general. Uh, I am so glad that uh, Amrit quit construction and is now a conversationalist. I think as a host, he's just a natural and his personality really just wonderfully shines through. Yes, I didn't have your typical post-growth conversation with Amrit. I mean, he isn't a typical person to start off with. But um, yeah, I just thought it's good to sometimes have a look at strategies that people use. I mean, in the post-growth and environmental movements, we're just bombarded with so much negativity that um, at least, you know, I'm never saying we should all be optimists, uh, but at least turn around that negativity to uh, open up other opportunities. Um, if nothing else, it keeps us sane. Uh, next episode, I will be interviewing Karen Schrag from the USA, author and long-term advocate on sustainable populations. So we're coming back into familiar territory from here on. In the meantime... Did you like the episode? Did you hate the episode? Are you furiously neutral? Uh, either way, give us a review on Apple Podcasts. Send me a message on the contact form, which you can find on the uh, site webpage um, or any platform you use where you can do a review. Uh, share your thoughts. Uh, any review, um, whether glowing or, or, or furious, ensures that you know, the metadata, uh, this episode will reach more people. Post-Growth Australia podcast is the only thing we do want to grow. I look forward to seeing you all next week. And until then, until then.